Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host, Stu, and I'm joined this week by Tom. Hello. Hello, and not by Chris, because Chris is away on holiday somewhere. Um, how are you going? That was, a, that was a bit of a weekend, eh? That was a bumper-filled weekend. Yeah, what a weekend. What, so this episode, we're going to do kind of like, we're just going to try and, because we're doing a preview for the next race, and we're reviewing a sprint race and an actual race, then we're just going to have to kind of power through as much as we can, as quick as we can to, to try and cover it all. Because my goodness, there is a lot to cover. It is um, probably a good job there is only two of us this week. Yeah, well, because man, we'll be here. Three all night opinions. Otherwise. We would never end this show. Yeah, yeah, and they are. There are, as always, there are going to be opinions <laughs> in this race. In this, at least podcast. it's got me and you. Like we're the ones that like lock horns when it comes to opinions on these kind of things. So they'll get the best of both worlds. They'll ju- they'll just miss on Chris's like sitting on the fence in the middle yeah, Chris, and Chris's mediation, to, <laughs> mediating yeah. the two of us. I mean, it, it, this could turn into a bloodbath, Tom. It could turn into an absolute bloodbath, but we'll see. <laughs> maybe it won't I think it's often we think that and then we end up agreeing on like loads of, on everything we thought we'd fall out on so we'll see um, we'll see <laughs> um, we're already being told in the chat to stay neutral or there'll be a boycott so yeah I mean, to be fair I think there will be I mean you know neutral like it depends on your perspective what neutral is doesn't it but anyway let's, <laughs> uh, let's get into it we'll start with Quali um, Magnussen on pole <laughs> After Russell's red flag in quali um, during a damp free, damp Q3 and then rain during the red flag. So it just scuppered anyone's chance yeah. of doing a better lap. Um, brilliant. I mean, I loved it. It was I can't, so good. can't say anything more than that. Like, absolutely loved seeing it. Um, I mean, I'm a bit good. The end of his weekend came the way it did overall. You know, like, it just, unfortunately the end result wasn't as good as that i was hoping it kind of meant he finished maybe just on the cusp of the points in the sprint to then be able to have a good gp which is kind of how it was panning out until yeah lap one yeah so yeah. um yeah i mean I'm getting there's way ahead not of much it. yeah we're getting way ahead of it um so this so it was a red flag caused by russell he put he put some he put his um outside wheel onto the onto the white line spun it off and just did a, mm. the biggest donut you've ever seen in back into the gravel which i thought yeah. was a kind of a clumsy end to a unfortunate spin that car though that was bouncing up and down on the on the on the sandy gravelly stuff wasn't it yeah it was it was getting thrown around like yeah. didn't he say something about didn't in the headrest or something i'm sure i saw a really? comment afterwards about him didn't you know break in the headrest because of how much his head was being like thrown around the side so it did not look like a comfortable ride through there no. did it i'm amazed the car stayed in one piece to be honest because it was literally just every corner was just getting chucked up into the air every time yeah. it was bouncing it just shows you how stiff these cars are as well if it's going to land on padded sort of gravel like that and just get launched in the air thrown. again and again when it's on its wheels like yeah that's that was the whole thing that earlier in the season a lot of the drivers had a problem with though, wasn't it? It wasn't necessarily the the porpoising so much as the just how violent it was when they were hitting curbs and riding curbs, like yeah. the the shock it sent through the car as it launched it and then landed again. Um yeah. that that was more of their problem than anything else, I think. So and, and that was probably evidence of exactly that. Like I mean, he nearly got away without beaching it, but 
that that spins what did that isn't it lit up the yeah. rears yeah so he lit up bit. the rears um end up with the back wheels sort of down on the yeah. in, in the in the gravelly stuff and then his middle of his car was sort of beached on the curb where it became actual tarmac and it just sort of beached him couldn't get him off had to red did this did the right thing red flag the session because it was in a really really dangerous position if anyone else had gone off in the same place and it was highly likely that someone could at that point in the yeah in the session then um yeah you red flag it and you just go again but unfortunately the heavens opened during the red <laughs> flag and basically ended the session leaving magnuson on pole for the sprint for the sprint race. I'm going to call it the sprint race because I yeah, don't like it. That's I don't like the sprint. I think it sounds silly. Um, so yeah, that takes us to the sprint race. Um, Magnuson on pole, led about two laps and then obviously just got absolutely mugged by all the cars that were supposed to be on the front of the grid against yeah. the car at the back of the grid, usually. Um, Alonso was quite quickly into the back of Ocon, which... Uh, that was kind of like a weird situation. I thought, like round the end of the, I suppose that there was a bit of a bit of elbows out between the two of them into turn three, four, one, two, four, turn four yeah, through the four. big left-hander, uh, the trail breaking into the left-hander. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, a uh, bit silly, I think, between teammates. That one. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, ace the cardinal sin, isn't it? Hitting your teammate. Yeah, like you just don't do it regardless of the situation. I mean, to be fair to them, they sort of again jumping forward a little bit, but they sort of made up enough to not have any bad blood when it came to things going on in the race that we may or may not get to. I don't know, but there's a little bit of team orders in the race that you know you could have seen like maybe bad blood because of what had happened there, but everything kind of seemed to blow over pretty quickly, and they were back to back to normal during the race. So. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like there's definitely like a fractious relationship in that team at the moment between those two drivers. I think yeah. Alonso will be happy. He's going to um, Aston, isn't he, Alonso? Yeah, he's Aston. Yeah. Yeah. He's to replace Vettel. So I think he's got a foot out the door already. Yeah, definitely an element of that. I think there has been for a, a few weeks where he's sort of, performance-wise, he's still there, but sort of kind of mentally and care for the team he's kind of gone hasn't he yeah he's, he's he's checked out he's out for himself basically at this point but then yeah. again when is alonso not out for himself that he's like his whole persona well yeah that's <laughs> his whole brand is me first isn't yeah it? alonso or nothing <laughs> yeah and it has been that way for a long long time i think oh yes um, so the next uh, the next major flashpoint um, during the sprint race would have been the Stroll and Vettel battle that just went way like further than it needed to go. That I thought that was a really again like a, a shocking move from Stroll to to try and defend that like, against your teammate as well. Again, yeah, it's a whole teammate thing, isn't it? Yeah, what? strange. Like, and that was it was reminiscent of the move that he actually did on Alonso in the USA. I thought like he moved way too yeah. late. Um, yeah, it was just it was just really really silly. Like you need to know when you beat. I think, and he there's a number Did of not. drivers on the circuit at the moment who don't quite know when they're beat. I think, and Stroll's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so Stroll got a 10 second time penalty for that. Um. It, like I said, late defense, similar to the USA. Do you f what? Do you remember what the penalty he got in the USA was? Is that I think it was a 10 second penalty in 
Or, what, or did he not get a penalty because it just took uh, you out of the race? Um, don't think he got penalised because of how it ended up. Yeah. If I remember. So I got, if he got penalty points, maybe. Maybe he did. It feels like the sort of thing that you should get penalty points for. But um, yeah, this on this occasion, he got a 10-second time penalty. I think that was probably the right decision. Yeah, I'd I'd say about fair for... I mean... It is. It's like it's the dangerous thing, isn't it? We've, I talk about it a lot. Like I, do, I don't like sort of moving once, once you've made a commitment to defend on a certain line. The rules are that you're not supposed to move again, and being like moving that late in a scenario, it's just a bit like unsporting's probably the wrong word for it. But you're very like on that line, aren't you? You you, you walk in a very close line to being a bit overly aggressive or uh, yeah, um, big time. unsporting yeah, yeah. towards the person that's attempting a move. Definitely. I think down the straight like that, I mean, we've seen we've seen other drivers do it over the years, but I think it's, it's, it's particularly bad on this circuit. But I mean, you, you look at circuits like Bahrain and um, Spa and stuff like that, where there's just acres and acres of tarmac off, off the racing line. Yeah. It, it feels less bad because you're not sort of putting, yeah, there's less grip out there, but you're not putting anyone in really like, you know, the car isn't just going to suddenly become an airplane and not be in, you know, you're not driving another car, another another driver out of control of their vehicle. Whereas this was very much putting them on the grass is like, that's dangerous, man. <laughs> like, yeah. That's really, really, really dangerous driving, I think. Because, you know, if, if, uh, if Vettel doesn't control that car the way he did, then suddenly, you know, you could have Vettel spearing off into... Uh, into stroll and causing all kinds of problems further down the grid for the cars behind them as well. So it's a really dangerous situation, I thought. Yeah, it's not the the whole thing with Alonso nearly taking off kind of illustrates why you've got to be careful in those kind yeah. of scenarios. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. yeah, I think I think overall the correct decision to give him a penalty. I think it was deserved. Yeah, fully deserved penalty. Um, the next thing I've got on my list is Verstappen. Verstappen just seemed to be on the wrong tires for the sprint race. Like he, he I think he was the only car on mediums, or one of two cars on mediums for that race. And yeah, they I, just didn't give him the grip that he needed to defend and to compete. I can't remember. The only people that really um, stood out to me as struggling with the mediums all weekend were the Mercs. Like. Other teams did. Uh, sorry, not the Mercs, the Red Bulls. The Red even. Bulls. Yeah. Um. The the other teams used them and weren't like as happy with them as they were the softs. But yeah, the Red Bull just seemed to be the worst of the lot. And I don't know if that maybe a factor of that is how good they are normally on their tires because, like, one of the factors we've compared, say, Ferrari to the Red Bull in is tire wear, and. Ferrari's problem on a lot of uh, races in the sort of middle third of the season was the tyre deck. Like, they were destroying tyres and the Red Bull was coming home and they were, you know, almost impeccable in comparison. So maybe that was part of the problem. They couldn't really switch on the mediums for whatever reason because they were actually too light on the tyre usage. I I don't know if that plays into it or not but yeah it feels like it might be a factor yeah they were the definitely. team that seemed to struggle most anyway 
but you know that doesn't excuse the fact that they used them when they should when literally True. everyone else is on soft tires you know like yeah. i think it was a strategic error a rare this a very rare this season strategic error on yeah. Red Bull's part to to use that tire on that car i think maybe they probably overestimated the pace verstappen was going to be able to get out of that car on that tire and they were looking to save some tires for the actual race possibly but yeah. um yeah ultimately wrong decision he lost positions in the sprint and um it sort of worked him back into the the kind of awkward position that he ended up in for the race race start and for the safety for the first safety car restart. But we'll we will get to that. Mm. Um, Russell, first victory in a Formula One car um, during yeah. the sprint race, an amazing result for him. Um, something that I've been I mean I said a couple of weeks ago I was really hoping for a Russell at least a Russell win um, this season. Very 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 happy to see that. Um, and that wasn't even the proper Grand Prix. Yeah, that was just the sprint race. So put him on pole for the sprint, which is very nice. Um, just back to Verstappen really quick. He lost positions to Russell Sainz and Hamilton. Um, Hamilton had a, a few really nice moves, actually, to get through up to third from eighth position on the grid. Um, and yeah, that's probably about it for me from the sprint race. Have you got any more for the sprint race? No, I mean, the, the battle that was Russell versus Verstappen for a while was... A nice entertaining one before Verstappen started falling away while he, he still had some pace in the tyres. Um, that sort of back and forth over a few laps between the two of them was nice and entertaining. Um, but yeah, I mean, Verstappen could never keep that pace, could he, long term? He was just, he was always falling back into the clutches of uh, Science and, um, and Hamilton like he did. So yeah, it's a shame got- in a way because they might have had a nice race had they both been on softs. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think, yeah, I think, you know, someone's saying he only won it because he he red flagged <laughs> quali but i think he might be trying to poke some push some buttons a little bit there but the, um, the, the color of his name in the discord tells you all you yeah, need to know it's a red bull fan um the i think i think russell had that win regardless he was behind uh verstappen for a good portion of that race and he he beat him fair and square yeah so um, the, the the I mean Verstappen himself admitted that their car was slow this weekend. Um, Perez showed that their car was slow this weekend as well. So yeah. I don't think um, the red flag during qualifying really had that much bearing on the actual races. It only made a difference really to to uh, to Magnussen. I would say the grid behind him like seemed pretty normal. It was just like one yeah. super out of position driver for the start of that race. Hey. Eh? Yeah, and and Hamilton maybe suffered a little bit for it because he was, what, he started eighth, didn't he, for the sprint. So he was sort of made to have to make up positions during the sprint if you wanted a good start yeah. for the GP. But but the Mercedes still. had such pace this weekend that, I, you know, that this was a stellar performance from them. They Hamilton made up positions and went forward in the race. Yeah, and yeah. They had an amazing race car this season compared to this, uh, sorry, this <laughs> this season, that'd be nice this this race because they were taking chunks out of everyone else's time i think hamilton had he not had that issue with um with uh, verstappen might have been in for a shout with the win of the actual race but again we will get to that um yeah. so yeah let's move on to the race let's 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 just get on with it um Russell and Paul, Sainz got an engine penalty. Um, I'm not sure which components he changed, but because I literally went straight from the sprint to 
of the grid of the race <laughs> live and then watching the actual race proper so i didn't get any of like the news in between which is one of the pitfalls of the amazing like life hack of making sprint races good even though this sprint race didn't need it um just before we do get into the to the uh to the race proper how would you rate the sprint race you you, you happy with it were you excited is it the best one you've seen yeah. where does it stand for it's, you yeah it, i mean it was entertaining in my opinion um i think the thing is albeit that one of the reasons that Brazil's sprint race last time was because there was a driver fighting through the field. This had a sprint race that was entertaining, like, a bit more on merit. Um, because, I mean, in no disrespect to Magnussen, you always knew who was going to drop to the lower end of the points paying positions in that sprint, you know, once the the top six drivers were up to speed. Yeah. You kind of always knew that the best Magnussen could could hope for in that shorter race was seventh, probably. Um, yeah, ab- so like, absolute best. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. That was like sort of minimum for him or maximum for him, however you want to look at it. Um, so that aside, I think the race was still entertaining. Um, and whether it is something about Brazil, like, I mean, I, I always feel relatively entertained by Brazil anyway. Um, and I don't know if that's, because of its position in the calendar, people are a bit more like um, cautions out the window, and it's it's kind of these are it's one of the last opportunities to score points before the end of the season to maybe make or break a championship position. I don't know if there's elements of that that like it always comes towards the end of the season that we see more like wheel to wheel combative racing, or if it is just naturally. That is what this track produces. And I think it could maybe be a combination of both because we've talked about before that, you know, for a Formula One car, this is practically a go-kart track. And yeah. I think it kind of brings out that raw just raciness of every single driver on the grid, pretty much. And yeah, that yeah. then leads to entertaining racing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been happy with both these sprint races in Brazil. But... Um, yeah, I would, say, I would say this is probably... Both both the ones in Brazil actually have been the best two races for sure. Yeah, um, I think there's an ele- I think there is an element of like yeah, it's it's towards the end of the season. People up and down the grid are, are, are trying to consolidate positions and and you know gain an advantage into the final races of the season. Um, I think it does generate like a circuit like this does generate good racing because you've got that really tight, windy, complicated complex middle sector and then two quite sort of like straightforward fast sectors that don't involve much there's only 10 turns as well there's only 10 corners so 10 opportunities to 10 events yeah. as you go around the circuit to, to make a mistake so it leads to quite close racing anyway because everyone you know they don't make that many mistakes there's less opportunities to make mistakes lots and lots of laps and um yeah it just i think it makes for really really good racing and the car these cars particularly as well this year have been able to follow each other for a lot of overtaking yeah. this year so that just adds to it doesn't it yeah absolutely so on to the race russell on pole science engine penalty as we said um which meant hamilton lined up second with uh, verstappen right behind russell in third um so really really spicy uh grid to start the race with yeah. first one two on the grid for mercedes incidentally all season i think um in fact was it a second did, didn't russell get a pole position earlier in the season he did didn't he where was he's that? had a pole but it wasn't a front row lockout um 
I'm scratching my head now of where it was. I'd have to dig back through and look. Yeah, how can we forget? Oh, well, never, well, we know he's we know he's had one. Um, yeah. So yeah, they all got away pretty cleanly. To be fair, like it, Russell had a monster start. Like he was just absolutely gone, like a scalded cat, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, did, really, really good start. Did everything Russell. he needed to in that scenario. To be brutally honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, good, when you good got get away and get away from the scuffle that's going to unfold behind you. Yeah. And to have those two drivers behind you, you know, a, a, a two-time world champion elect and a uh, eight, what, seven-time world champion Hamilton, like, yeah, just absolutely perfect start. And they didn't hold the lights for very long at all, did they? They were no, straight they out. They went to, pretty quick. They went so yeah. fast. It was like, they, that must have caught one or two of them out, I think. There's definitely a few temps gone begging at the start yeah. of that race, for sure. So, yeah, it, like, all... Pretty neat and tidy, first few corners, and then we got round to the complicated section of the track, and we had the first big incident of the of the race, <laughs> safety car, Ricardo and Magnussen. Um, yeah, pretty clumsy incident, I thought. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's had a penalty or anything for it. To be brutally honest with you, it was clumsy from Ricardo though, sticking mm. his nose into the back end of the the Haas. Um. Yeah, it's a shame because it undid what was, you know, you know, had potential to be a good finish for Magnussen. I mean, to be fair, had potential to be a good finish for Ricardo himself as well, uh, yeah. with the way that the McLaren had looked at times this weekend. So, yeah. Yeah, he's um, got a three-place grid penalty for his troubles. Yeah, so really unfortunate, I think, for especially being one of Ricardo's last races, you know, that's not going to do his reputation much good. I don't think to, to be having those kinds of incidents towards the end of the season and potentially the end of his sort of formula one career, sadly. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's not the end of his formula one career. Hopefully we see him back in a year or two's time and, you know, he's back to winning ways or at least sort of performing at his best because I think, you know, there's no, he'll, he'll be the first to admit that the performance just hasn't been there this season for him. Has it? No. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that like doing a sabbatical year or and then potentially coming back if he's given the opportunity, I hope that allows him like maybe the right amount of time away to sort of reset and come back strong. Because it's not like he's not had the potential to be, you know, one of the top tier drivers that we see in the sport. I Absolutely. mean he's proven that in the Red Bull. So yeah. Um, and going toe to toe with you know the the teammates he's had there, like notably Verstappen. So, yeah, it's the, the potential will always be there. I think it's just he's probably got to be in the the right car at the right time, which some drivers are like that, aren't they? Fortunately, yeah, I think you know, I think definitely the car. I think all drivers really, the car has to match driver to a degree. Yeah. maybe to, to different differing degrees but still like when you get the perfect combination of exactly what the driver wants and the perfect car for him and a good car then you know that's, that's always been a winning combination just look at Verstappen Red Bull this year look at the yeah. Mercedes Hamilton's years yeah um the, the, the Vettel era Red Bull yeah Schumacher, Schumacher Ferrari like, like, you yeah go back yeah, you can go back through eons of Formula One racing and that has just always been the case. So yeah. in a lot of ways, like sometimes I guess for Formula One drivers, it can be a bit of a lottery and he's just had 
there's always like a middle ground as well where you get an average car and you can perform to, to the best of that car's ability on a given day. And it's just simply fundamentally not a quick enough car to win championships. I think that's the majority of drivers. That's what they end up with, isn't it? It's yes. Only something that's not like few. Not not. Well, it's kind of it suits their style, but the performance isn't there. Basically, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they can get like the best out of it every single time, but it's just fundamentally not a quick enough car. But anyway, yeah. we're off on a massive tangent. Yeah. Um, let's get back to the race. Um, so we had the safety car because of the Ricardo Magnussen incident. Incidentally, Magnussen ended up watching the entire race from a barrier or something, didn't he? For, for the yeah, basically of the because day. of where he where they went off. Um, they went off on the infield bit. Uh, I can't remember what turn it is, but they sort of the right handers in in that middle sector, and basically there's just like a, a little island of grass essentially in the middle of the circuit and yeah. without him jumping in like the medical car or something to be taken back he was stuck there so he just spent the rest of the race the other 70 laps watching from the marshal's post yeah i think it's turn eight i think it's around turn eight where, yes where it that'd was. be about right after yeah, they start coming back up the hill a little bit yeah it's the really tight right-hander kink where yeah they, uh, well the, the first of the two really tight right-hander kinks yeah. Um, yeah. So that was unfortunate for him, but led to led us to the safety car. Russell, excellent job getting away from the safety car. First, that was his first proper challenge, I think, of this race. Yeah. And um, once he'd sort of pulled out his lead and and sort of settled into his rhythm, um, what was less impressive, I think, was the battle. I mean, this is the this is why we're all here, right? This <sighs> is why a lot of people are here. It's the flashpoint between Hamilton and Verstappen. Yeah. Um, now, everyone's gonna. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone always has an opinion on these things. My own personal feeling, sitting like as being and being as impartial as I can, is I genuinely think Verstappen was pushing too hard at that point in the race. I think he went a little bit deep into turn one, or or at least took a took a wider line into turn one than he probably should have, which put him on a bad trajectory for turn two. Mm-hmm. But he realised straight away that it was on a bad trajectory for turn two, and just didn't care and went for it anyway. He's, and he's said as much. Yeah, so there's, there's there's elements of it that I think you can lay at both of them, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Like, in yes, he's he's slung it around the outside of turn one, but it is possible to to do that, providing the person you're racing cooperates with you. And yeah, the thing is, like, he's kept it inside the white lines perfectly fine like he's not he's not missed the corner by diving in too deep basically he's he's still made the corner so i think he has a turn a, one he made he made turn yeah, one fine that's right turn yeah that's two, what I mean. he didn't he didn't make turn two the exit of turn two he didn't make he was never making that exit not when he was getting pinched like he was like i think i think he well, deserved more, that, i think he deserved more racing speed. room though i think he deserved more racing room than that than what he got basically um, do you think so? I'm not. I'm I not think... saying he was. I'm not saying he was fully in the right for like full on sending it like he did, but I think he deserved more racing room than he got because the flip side of this to me is that because he's not been given that racing room, he bails to avoid that sausage curb on the inside and re-enters the track ahead of Hamilton, and then you've got a whole dilemma of well, he's cut the corner, and you, do you know what I mean? Like. Okay, like, I get the thing that I look at it for me is 
in some of these scenarios, I feel like Verstappen can't win with certain people because he basically dives in too deep and doesn't make the corner. He's the the villain. He stays on track and attempts to make the corner legitimately and because he's not had enough racing room, he's still the villain. Like, Hamilton could have definitely done more to avoid that. And I think that the way it sort of worked out kind of played out about right. Like, yes, Hamilton's car was damaged and therefore possibly costing the chance of fighting George more, uh, fighting George harder for the win. But it's kind of of his own doing by knowing full well, you know, what was going on around him and not leaving the racing room that he could have. And if Lewis really wanted to win that race and really wanted to stay out of trouble, he could have left more racing room and not taken the contact. So, like I say, I think it's one of those that I would always call, like, say, I don't know, 60-40 in Verstappen's fault. So you would say Verstappen was predominantly to blame? I like it's it's a yeah basically it's it's a bit of a slingshot and he's definitely more at fault hundred percent but there is also um way more Hamilton could have done to avoid the situation and knowing what's unfolding around him and I mean the fact that so many other cars went wheel to wheel through turns one and two as a follow up without that Mm. kind of incident I think just goes to show that with a bit of bit more respect and racing room for who's alongside you from yeah from both parties basically racing through those two quarters is absolutely achievable so many other battles went in a similar fashion so it's not like it's not doable i do think think hamilton was far enough ahead though to claim that corner i think he's more than half a car length ahead yeah but that's hamilton's corner but the rules state now that if you are on the inside of a corner and your wheels are beyond the rear axle, you're entitled to racing room. That's, but that's that doesn't the, give you that's the written carte blanche law. to just... That's just That doesn't give you carte blanche to go in so fast that you're never going to make the exit. No, but... And this is the, this in lies the problem for me is because he's had that door shut on him and not be, not had the racing room, you don't actually... You can't actually, like, prove or disprove that he would have ever made, you know, made the corner properly had no, he been given had he been given re- no way he's making that corner, I, I, sorry. I, I would say that it's, po- that it's possible though yeah 100% it is is he on rails it's a Red Bull it is on rails it's true yeah I mean like if you look if me, you look at like... some of the other some of the other battles and stuff like um, that Perez was in and, and, and what have you like those cars are capable of hugging that inside line and, yeah, and making it through. I think that's a lot later in the race and there's a much lighter Maybe. weight cars, you know, probably fresher tyres. Like, I, I think for me... They were, they're definitely we're, we're, both the, as bad the, as the, each the, other yeah, the, in, I, in this scenario. I absolutely, I agree with you there, but I, I don't see why Hamilton needs to yield to a car that is behind him. I think you're maybe misinterpreting why I'm saying that. I wouldn't say he needs to yield. He just needs to give racing room, which he didn't. Well, there was room. there was there different. was racing room because he was he was he had two wheels on the um, within the white line and he was he had yeah he went over the sausage curbs but like he it's not like he completely ran him out of road at the moment of impact there was like a full width. I mean they were both on the road. Mm, I, I well, don't know actually, how, maybe how not. much no because because he was across the curbs I suppose wasn't he? Yeah, he was he was. 
he was riding the sausage curb because he was kind of being put onto the sausage curb. Yeah, I think part of the problem for Verstappen is he just doesn't know when he's beat. I think that was yeah. another thing. And, and, part- and the other thing, if he was if he was still looking for championship points, there's no way he, that accident happens. If he hasn't won a world championship yet, yeah. then, and he and if he, if he's in a close and- fight with some some other driver for a world championship, he lets that go and he carries on with in, carries on with his race and has another go later on further around the track. And if you so- flip it the other way, Hamilton's still in the title fight or or whatever it might be, and it means more to Hamilton. Hamilton does give him the racing room because he knows the consequences of the yeah, thing. Yeah, totally. At, 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 it's at this a situation point, where both drivers have got nothing to lose. Yeah, so why, they've, they've both. Why, they've, why worry I mean, about it? all you have to do is listen to the comments from both of them afterwards. Like, Max has gone, well, I put it around the outside and I didn't think he was going to give me room, so I just left it there, and, you know, knowing that that was potentially going to happen. And Hamilton said something not that dissimilar of, well, you know, it's like racing Max, so I'm just going to race how I want to race. and you know, it's, that's what it's like racing, Max. Like, they've, they've both kind of gone into that exact moment with, like, a, a disregard, I guess, for the outcome of it in the sense of, yeah. well, I know it's him, so I'm just going to do what I want to do and see what happens kind of thing. And I yeah. think that's why it's that's why it's so down, not quite down the middle, but as near as damn it for me. Yeah, I mean, well, it, Verstappen was the one who got the penalty in the end, wasn't he? He got a five-second yeah. penalty. And I think the reason that he got that penalty was because the stewards deemed that from that angle, at that speed, he was never making that egg corner exit. So the fact that both of them went wide after an impact show, and how far wide it's, Verstappen went shows you that he was never making the exit. It's probably corner, to do so. with the places that Hamilton lost as a consequence as well. Um, yeah, he did lose if, a few. He, yeah. he, I'm sure he lost two, at least two places as a consequence. Oh no, um, it, was, it was up in second. I think he ended up like down in like sixth or seventh. Uh, maybe he lost more than I thought. He lost a bunch um, of places. Like in in a way, he was he was punished himself because of the front wing damage that caused him to have to pit in the first place. So there's an element of that. Had Lewis carried on and just carried on in second. I think that he probably wouldn't have got the five second penalty. To be brutally honest with you, we, you know this whole this whole mentality I talk about that I feel like I always see with the FIA of the outcome of the incident determines the severity yeah. of the penalty. I think had Lewis not lost as many places, they would have deemed well Verstappen's had to pit for a front wing. Lewis hasn't. Yeah, that probably would enough. be penal- penalty enough, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah but yeah. because Lewis has lost places, they've supplemented on top of that. Yeah. Side um, note. The way that front wing end plate came off of the Red Bull and just frisbeed off into the barrier to one side, I'm glad I wasn't. Marshall stood anywhere near that. That looked scary. Do you see? Yeah, it? It, there is actually a Marshall's post down at the bottom of turn one and two as well yeah, yeah. on the exit of the pits. So, and he went in that direction. Yeah, it did. It was. It was a scary. Yeah, can, be, it kind of makes you see. It makes you see why the sort of meatball flag has been coming out a few times this yeah. year maybe they've sort of from you know from the testing and from the data realized that these end plates are a little bit dangerous and i do think actually like to move us on i guess because we're never going to agree on that um <laughs> we're, we're, the... we're civil about it that's fine <laughs> yeah totally yeah, yeah always but um I'm like Twitter. I, I think something needs to be done about the 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 end plate situation i think we've seen too many end plates come off and be in dangerous situations and there has to be a solution other than the meatball flag there has to be a way of designing into these things 
a way of making them not frisbee off into potentially into the crowd. Like it's it's a that is yeah. a ticking time bomb. Those things coming off of cars that way, it's really really scary. I think it's probably to do with the fact that there's so little um, wing now that it's attached yeah. to. Like it's, I mean, it's like a very flat U, isn't it? Now you've got the end plates, and then they literally just curve down into the wing, and then it's it's the wing. Whereas before, at least with the end plates, it was connected on so many little winglets and everything to the wing as a whole that even if it came off it sort of it it absorbs so much more force basically because of the amount of like break points it had to come detached so it seemed it felt like it absorbed a lot more force from being hit by like a wheel or another car so maybe they need to look at the way that that's built and tethered together, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I think so, I don't tethering know what you do. them somehow is like, there's but... probably a way of tethering them onto them, but I yeah. think it's just a case of like making change. You probably need to change the shape of it and make it so make it a rule that there isn't like a big gap. Just do something to make them less liable to come off the car and frisbee off yeah. away into the crowd. But anyway, or reduce the kinda... reduce the size of them as well would probably help because it's yeah. quite a Get rid massive. Of them yeah, like a massive sort of just flexing piece of carbon fiber on the end of the wing really yeah um right anyway moving on um what's next we've got uh, leclerc was off leclerc was off after a collision with norris yeah he was looking to get moving again um front his nose was in the deep in the barrier managed somehow managed to get that car moving i don't know how he did that i genuinely thought he was out when when the move went down and it all happened i thought leclerc was out of that race so yeah, I um, McCheco, the resident Sergio Perez fan, saying he cheered when that happened. <laughs> yeah, so- sounds about right for a Bull fan. I mean, it's only the same as me cheering that time Seb Vettel spun out in Canada. Oh, that's that I literally hit the that. roof when he did that. Yeah. Um, okay, so look, yeah, Leclerc off, uh, managed to get it moving again, changed his front nose, came out, changed front nose, just his nose, um, <laughs> front wing, came out, <laughs> no, really I think, around 18th, I think he came out, so um, he had some yeah. work to do for the rest of the race, but um, yeah, did a really, really good job to to keep it going, and, and he had a few things fall his way uh, with safety cars, and late safety cars and stuff like that, and the way the pit stops worked out, so they got a little bit lucky in the end, I think it... That was one of those things that kind of like the the motorsport gods kind of fixed that one for us, didn't they? Like, yeah, Norris yeah. caused that accident. Leclerc kind of was was sort of lost out for it, but then later on in the race, Norris sort of had a retirement and it ca- caused the safety car that actually got Leclerc back into the race. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, fun little bit of fun little nugget for you. <laughs> Um, next one, unless you got anything to add on that bit? No, I think it's a bit like the Ricardo one. It's just clumsy. Like, yeah, it's, it's clumsy driving. Unfortunately, like I, I love Norris to pieces, and he's he's my guy on the grid kind of thing. He's he's my driver, but yeah, it's clumsy. And it's just it's inexcusable at this level. He's really, been kind it? of like out of sorts. This I, I know. I Norris mean, he's been he's been ill. In his, weekend, yeah, in, in his defense, to some degree, he has been very ill this weekend, but. You still just can't massively understeer yeah. into a, you know, a top tier championship competitor no. and take them out when, of the race. When he, um, when he retired from the race, when his car broke down, he looked <sighs> relieved to be out of that yeah, car. He looked he did. like he was done for the day. Didn't he? He, he looked like I feel right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so next bit, we're, we're going to talk about some Russell dominance. Um, obviously, he got the win, his maiden Grand Prix win of the yeah. of his of his Formula One career. Um, and this is an actual Grand Prix win, not a sprint race win. So he he gets full credit this time. Um, what a performance! What an amazing performance to soak up the pressure from from Hamilton behind him towards the end of the race to deal with the safety car restarts. You know, it wasn't yeah. easy for him. wasn't made easy for him. Um, I do detect an element of Hamilton sort of almost working as a teammate rather than fully one. Hamilton never to me looked quite a hundred percent committed to going for that race win. I don't know about you. I'd, I mean, I, f- I feel like if you were going to go along those lines, it would probably be because of the damage from the Verstappen incident. I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't, I, I just don't feel like Lewis would sort of give knowingly up give up that streak that he has of winning a race yeah. in every season. Like, I think if he truly had the opportunity to fight Russell and, you know, beat him for that, he probably would have at least pushed to put the team in a yeah. difficult position I mean, and like kind of force the team to make the call. But I, I do think it's definitely more that the the damage stopped him from being able to mount like a, a realistic challenge and it just gave George an upper hand in the, in the battle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely like during those safety car restarts, I feel like maybe Hamilton could have made his life a little bit more difficult at times. But yeah, yeah. overall, I, I think uh, Hamilton, uh, there's no doubt Hamilton was pushing. He probably didn't quite have the car to get to get the race. Yeah. But if you look at the way that like, Hamilton caught up eventually and was, was catching him just before the safety car was coming in, it did look like we we're on for a bit of a grandstand finish between the two of them. But then at the same time, I, I think Russell might have been controlling that race as well, such was yeah. his dominance. So, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I probably am wrong. Um, I don't believe, I don't truly believe that Hamilton wouldn't push flat out to try and get a race win, regardless of who he's up against. So, yeah, um, let's, let's, let's scratch that silly <laughs> statement that I made moments ago. Um, but yeah, um, uh, what what an amazing what an amazing what an amazing journey for Russell. What an amazing performance. Um, it's been a long time coming, and yeah, he's, he deserves it. Eh? Oh yeah, I mean, we thought that it might be a yet another year for him. Like he came so close in Bahrain when he stood in for Lewis. The cars not been up to winning until these last two or three races, probably. Like these this flyaway segment that we're in now. Um, so it it genuinely looked like it wasn't going to happen for him for another season, but yeah, good things come to those who wait, I guess. Yeah, is the old really proverb, do. isn't it? Yeah, hopefully better things for both Mercedes drivers next year. We can have a proper fight for a championship, but that's a, that's a few months away. Yeah, feels like they start um, to get on top of what's hindered them from the start of the season, yeah. hasn't it? And it, and in complete yeah. like George has definitely reaped. The, the products of what has been definitely more sacrificed by Lewis. I don't think it's unfair to say that like Lewis has sacrificed more earlier in the season to to kind of put the car back in winning ways. It's not like George hasn't as well. I just think that George was given a bit more consistency probably in yeah. what he was getting in terms of the car. We know full well that Hamilton tested like a lot more 
experimental parts kind of thing trying to solve problems so there was a lot more of his experience being used there and but i mean between the pair of them what they've worked on together regardless of the balance like to get the car back where it is now and be seriously pushing ferrari and red bull for race wins like this is it's where they want to be and it's where they need to be isn't it so kudos to the team as a whole and and them as drivers yeah, to to summarize, Hamilton was definitely the the sort of like the research mule for yeah. for the beginning part of the season. Whereas they would they definitely wanted to. It looked like they wanted to get Russell settled into a nice rhythm with a bit of consistency to see just to get him comfortable in the car, which which is sensible, isn't it? Yeah, it it makes sense. And I mean, in in George's defense as well, like he might have been given that more comfortable situation, but he sure as hell made sure that he made the most most of it like how long was that top five streak going on for when the car wasn't realistically that car capable of being a top five car well that car was probably the the, the, it was probably it was in the the third fastest car i think still for for the for the bulk of it i think he was the the fifth fastest car clearly the fifth fastest car for most of that period of of that first half of the season when we, when they spent three months figuring out what was even wrong with it. Um, so yeah, the consistency of that is, yeah. is pretty amazing to get that same result over and over and over again, over the course of half a season um, just shows you what the quality is there. You know, the consistency is there, yeah. the quality is there and all he needs is, is a really, really good car next year or in the coming years. And there's a championship in that guy. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I'd he'll be so. winning championships in, in give him the car and he'll do the job. I mean, that's that's evident, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. So Mercedes um, again, a 1-2. An unexpected 1-2 yeah. in 2022 for Mercedes. Um, bad year, obviously, for them, really. But the upgrades in the USA seem to have sort of put them more in, a lot more in the mix. Seems to have had an effective package that's brought them back into the game, eh? Sorry, I'm chuckling to myself because all I could hear in my head was Bruce Springsteen when you said upgrades in the USA. <laughs> I could just hear it to the tune of Born in the USA for some reason. And he's just sent me off the rails. Sorry. Um, yeah, so it looked like been, you know, they were on song. We can, I think we've agreed that they kind of, they were in the mix in the USA, but not quite within touching distance. Then Mexico, they felt a bit like the strategy let them down on that one and they didn't yeah. quite maximize the package. And this weekend looks like they actually, maybe not in qualifying, obviously, you know, qualifying was a difficult qualifying session anyway, but race trim, like they absolutely maximized that package. That was the quickest car on the track. All you've got to do, in my opinion, for that point to like, to prove the validity of that point, let's say, mm-hmm. is what are Lewis Hamilton's last three finishing positions since those upgrades? that second 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 exactly that yeah that says it all does it not like they they weren't quite on par with um red bull immediately in america in mexico they were maybe let down a little bit by strategy but had the potential for that win and now it's come albeit through russell but it's come and it was comfortable for them to be finishing one two so i think you know Lewis's last three results probably say as much as anything needs to about where that impact has actually 
sort of come from. I mean, to be fair to them, you sort of started to see it in that middle point of the year when uh, Lewis got uh, Lewis got like a nice run of podiums together, didn't he? Yeah. Um, is it was Silverstone the first one? I think so. Yeah, it was, it was around about that time anyway, wasn't it? It was like that that run into the summer break, basically. It was like it's it's a bunch of circuits that Hamilton's good at. There was like Silverstone, there was Hungara Ring. Um, what else did we have in there? France was in there, wasn't it? But regardless of the specifics, like there was a run of strong results coming there. I think they maybe started to sort of change things up a little bit after the summer break, and then USA was like, right, let's put all this together now. Like we've, yeah, you know, we we've run some things we've seen what where we've run others we've seen what that's not let's put together everything that works and then this is the the fruits of all that labor i think it is just a shame that it's taken until the penultimate race to to have them both finish in that one too yeah it but, is it is a shame that you want to see a, a fight don't you for the championship yeah. and we just haven't had that really this year ferrari have just not been able to 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 put themselves in that fight even with what was it that at times at the start of the season, the best car on the grid. Yeah. They just they just couldn't pull pull together a season somehow. I mean, we'll get into I'm sure we'll get into all this over the season review in the coming weeks. Um but we've got enough a race yet before we, we could yeah. think about that. Uh-huh. Um so I'll 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 bring us back on track um away from the Ferrari cul de sac. I'm a poet. Um <laughs> So yeah, Mercedes um, still speaking about Ferrari. Science, um, science P7 to P3, um, respectable for- performance I thought from Science, despite Leclerc trying to steal the podium out of his <laughs> yeah. team orders. I mean, and and a good drive from Leclerc as well off the back of that. You know, like after the accident, getting back up to P4 as well, and admittedly helped out a little bit in places by the safety car, but still, like it's always a good drive to get from what is effectively last on the road to knocking on the door of a podium. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it was a little bit petulant, him. I I, I, I sort of get it, and I, but I still don't like it at the same time. Like, Perez is breathing down his neck. They're literally tied on points now in the yeah. in the championship. So I understand his frustration of, of why he wanted that switch to happen. Um, but I think when it's for a podium... It's a little bit different to the other one that I'll, I'm sure we'll get onto in a minute. That's like over two points. It's it's a bit of a different scenario, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think podiums are sacrosanct almost. Like you can't ask yeah. someone to sacrifice a podium for you for the sake of your championship. Like that. That's the point when the when the argument of also like the the dynamic in this this is a completely different dynamic. I think to what yeah. what the next what the thing later on is, but. The yeah to to ask someone to sacrifice a podium for your championship is just completely absurd. There's, I, it's, I th- it's not appropriate. I think had they been second and third and it had been switching places both on the That's podium, yeah, a little bit different again because you yeah exactly you both still achieving a podium and so I think both being outside the podium or both being on the podium and and switching places is way less controversial to me than the third for fourth. And I think I'm. I stand with Ferrari on the like. No, it's not happening, Charles. Like, yeah, yeah. We we I... understand the championship situation and the impact that it potentially has, but 
Carlos has earned this Carlos has earned podium. His podium. Yeah, yeah, totally. He so, he did everything he got. He, you know, he was the better driver over the over the course of the weekend, and he, he yeah. got his podium for it despite uh, an engine penalty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, amazing. Speaking of amazing drives, though, um, Fernando Alonso starts seventeenth, finished P five. Yeah. In solid. the mix with like the the big boys there, like that's a that is a great drive from an Alonso, yeah. despite losing a front wing as well. Yeah. Oh, just, well, admittedly during the sprint race. But yeah, still. I guess this is this is the that, case of reason, you watching sprint yeah. straight into uh, yeah. GP. <laughs> Different races. There's a, there's a reason why he was starting seventeenth, and it's because of that front wing situation. Yeah. I think. But um, yeah, what a performance from Alonso! Some amazing overtakes towards the end of the race. Um, he had so much pace towards the end of that race. He was just absolutely wrecking shop. Um, really, really good drive. Yeah, solid. Rock solid, and then we come to um, the the Verstappen Perez team orders thing, um, the controv of the uh, of the day. Um, yeah. Twitter has obviously had an absolute aneurysm over it. Um, if you went on Twitter last night and searched Verstappen, you know I've got to say, like there weren't for every one tweet in defence of Verstappen, there were probably a hundred against what is it and there weren't many loud voices coming from red bull camps either so i think everyone knows that i'm not you know let's not get too i don't want to get really into this because it's there's no point i think it's kind of like toxic but yeah it it was it wasn't it wasn't the best kind of behavior to do when when you've got a teammate who supported you throughout two seasons when when they're helping them win championships when they're doing some, you know, being, being told they're amazing for defending like a lion in order to, you know, save your championship. And then you, you don't want to give up as a a, a pointless position that you agreed that you would give up on to go back on your word the way he has. I think it's just a bit, a bit, a bit sucky. Yeah. It stinks. Like I'm, I've intentionally like I couldn't deal with the arguments between people about like the extreme camps of it was Hamilton's fault, it was Verstappen's fault for the whole turn two incident. Like I had so at that point I'd already shut down social. I literally went on, did my yes George tweet, and then that's it. I shut it back down. Never never looked at it again. <laughs> like I just can't like. It's... I will point out that Max Verstappen did physically assault someone for pulling the exact same move on him a few years ago, and they were trying to unlap themselves. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, if we're going to draw similarities, like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it because then they send it to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not, I'm not, I'm not bickering over similarities in other events, but yeah, because yeah. we just turn into them then, it, Stu. It, We've got to be it, bigger than them. Yeah, we do have to be. It was Ocon, chat. It was Ocon. It was. It was Ocon. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's not there's not really much more to say about it. I think the the team apologised to to Perez for it. There, we yeah. will dip into the inbox at this point, and um, because we do have a question about it from Sarah, she says, "How big is the damage that Max did yesterday to his team and to Checo by not playing the team game? He was let by without a fight, with the promise that he were to let him have the place back if he did not succeed." So she's talking about um, if he didn't overtake Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um, the team 
has never had a one-two with the championship, but more importantly, what will this do to the relationships within the team? So she's, I guess she's talking about like Verstappen with engineers and, and other mechanics across the other side of the garage. Yeah. It's not going to be great for, <laughs> for relations inside the team. Um, there has been like, and I'm again, I'm going to like skim this one as well, but Twitter and I think Martin Brundle mentioned something about Monaco and suddenly people are, are coming out saying that apparently Perez deliberately crashed in Monaco, which sounds mm. a bit pie in the sky to me, but I'd be very shocked and I'd be very concerned if that was the case. I'm sure the FAA would as well. So yeah, I'd be careful about throwing those kinds of accusations around. I don't think, I really don't think that would have been the case for Perez. Um but yeah, I, the whole interview process afterwards was very cryptic, wasn't it? There was a lot of sort of like, I know my reasons, blah, blah. I don't want to get into it. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Um, kind of half answers to questions. So there's definitely some mm. secrets there. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, it, the whole thing just stinks. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Even if there was even the remote chance that he has, you know, th there's any substance to that sort of rumour, rumor, let's call it, that's, that's blown up over Twitter over the last 24 hours. <laughs> Even if there is any substance to it whatsoever, it's still massively outweighed by every single time Sergio Perez has either given him a position or fought to defend against yeah. someone chasing him. Like, yeah. we're talking about one Slowing scenario versus 20. Like, Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's it's, it's, it's just stinks. It's just yeah. so like one sided, isn't it? It's really really rough. It's, but anyway, like we, yeah. I mean, everyone. I think the Formula One fandom, as a as a rule, I think are collective for once in their opinion on this. Like, yeah, the the huge majority are that, um, you know, Verstappen is in the wrong, which yeah. I think. You know, just about all of us could agree on. I don't yeah, like. You don't how need to be his most vocal people... critic. You don't need yeah. to be his most vocal critic to see what a crappy thing to do that that was. Yeah, um, and like like I said, I don't, I don't agree with how far some people take it because they just go way above and beyond to kind of make a point of the fact that he's done this thing that's yeah. like wrong. But I mean, the the other flip side of it is this is Max Verstappen we're talking about. Like, I'm. I'm hard pressed to say that I'm surprised if that makes sense. Like I just constantly feel like he is capable of that kind of thing. Yeah. I do, don't do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like it's it, when he's, when he's Verstappen doing it or like if Alonso did it, there's, there's a couple of people on that grid that if they did something of that ilk, I am not surprised. surprised. And Alonso and Verstappen as an example are two of those people. In my well, opinion. I think it's, I think it's classic. It's classic Verstappen. Think of the number of rules yeah. and clarifications that we've had to have because of Max Verstappen. Think of all these yeah. other things that have happened as, and, and Max Verstappen's name is on the end of it. You know, think of... He, he's yeah. kind of... He is kind of like the bad boy of Formula One and some people love him for it and some people will love him for, for this behaviour, no doubt. And the majority of normal people will probably find it a bit obnoxious and... and not becoming of someone who's supposed to be a world champion. The yeah. irony is when it goes full circle and we go from hating him for things like this, and I'm comparing this to Seb's multi-21 incident, by the way, in Malaysia. So, like, it goes from this sort of situation to being full-on global 
warrior and savior of all things humanity. And it's like, I can't see Verstappen actually ever making that trajectory for the record, but I just think it'd be really funny if he ends up on like the exact same trajectory that Sebastian Vettel's had. I just, I just find that really yeah, comical. Yeah, it's kind of like uncanny, isn't it? Like yeah. he's, he's become the de facto patriarch of that team. Kind yeah. Of thing. So um, he, he's fit into Sebastian's old shoes very well. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Like young Sebastian Vettel was, and this this era of Max Verstappen are eerily similar in a lot of ways. Um, I think sometimes people because of how Seb is now and like how he matured I think a lot of people forget how hated Vettel was during those early championship years with against Weber as a teammate and the way he treated Mark Weber a lot of the time um, I think a lot of people forget that because of how Seb is now and it just goes to yeah, show and that a lot of people didn't like him for it <laughs> exactly like, I mean I, I despised the guy for it at that era in time like I'm completely polar opposite now, but I think it just goes to show that there is something that winning does to you in those. You know, when you've got that drive and your whole life has been about winning at this this thing and being the best at this thing, there is something that being in that actual position just like changes. And it, to be fair, it's part of what makes all these people, you know, the top tier in the world at what they do is part of what makes them that good but it's also what makes them arse hats to the rest of us when they do things like this so I'm not defending him for it I still think he should have given the place back but I think that there's plenty of other drivers on the grid that you could probably pick out very similar moments for um, yeah, Alon- yeah, Alonso, Alonso blocking Hamilton in the pits that time in qualifying was it qualifying? yeah, yeah. Uh, like yes and multi twenty one and for for Seb like they'll, they'll they'll definitely be others. I just can't bother to think of yeah, them right Felipe, now. Felipe Fernando is faster than you. Yeah, when team orders were illegal, there was a time yeah, when but they were still executing them. But they were still doing it. Um, and Senna deciding that if he goes into turn one ahead of me, we're both going off at turn two. Uh, in Japan, yeah, because oh, of totally. a, yeah, do yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Like stumped. throughout yeah. the decades, it's rung true. Um, so I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I'm like I'm it's, like a. Pub, it is a uh, shame that it takes that. Though. It's a shame that it's yeah. such an intoxicating sport that intoxicating sport that it will do that to a person, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. People are so desperate for that victory at all costs that they they kind of become a monster. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, like it's just it's a bit sad, really. Anyway, yeah. um, driver of the day. Who's your driver of the day? <sighs> I want to give it Alonso. That might be... I want to give it Alonso as well. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it'd be the de facto choice, but I I personally would give it Alonso. Um, I mean... I think I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put us on the fence because Russell is obviously very deserving of it. I think he was yeah. dominant in a, in a car that has historically this season not been the best, but maybe is now the best, or what certainly was the best at Interlagos. I think if you take the radio messages out at the end, Charles is up there as well. Like the actual drive yeah. up to that point is, you know, spot on. Um, yeah, and it wasn't kinda... really his fault to be in the wall either, was it? No, was exactly. Kinda... It wasn't his fault that he ended up back there. It, he was punted off. Um, it was more like it's just the whole thing with trying to nick the yeah, podium off. It just left icky. a sour taste, bad taste in my mouth. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think. Generally, I'd probably go with Alonso. 
Okay, hey, I'm gonna hey. go with Russell for mine. Oh no, and we've not got Chris to like make a deciding no, vote. To it, so we're just gonna have to give it to both. Fernando Russell <laughs> wins driver of the day. Um, move of the day. Uh, we've got Schumacher retaking his place around turn two. I don't remember that one. Can you? Help I'm me? trying to remember who it was he was fighting with, but basically Schumacher was in a wheel-to-wheel battle with someone in turn one. And basically, oh, it was an Avatari. It was Gasly. Yeah, it was it Gasly, and it was basically like, no, mate, you're not in that place. But uh, you're not in that place. I'm taking it back, and basically went back around the outside of him in turn two, and there's a little bit of a front to rear wheel contact i think just for good measure but um yeah that was a that was a heck of a sort of defensive slash offensive bit of driving that's good um we've also got alonso around the outside of bottas for p6 throughs turns six and seven yeah and so that's after the sort of the 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 straighty kind of bit after the, the big breaking left hander um and then i've also got verstappen on both Ocon and Bottas into turn one. He got two into one corner. Did you see that? I'm trying to remember if I did. I know. I mean, I know I did because I watched it, but I'm trying to like repicture it in my head. What's annoying is that the majority of the race highlights are just people being punted. So when you go back to the race highlights, there's like none of none of these things we're talking about are in it yeah. pretty much. The, the, which the, is highlights disappointing. Like, the highlights made it look like a crash fest, and actually it wasn't really that at all. It yeah. was a really, really good race. Um, yeah, I think for me, it is Verstappen, the move of the day. The, the two in one. It, uh, admittedly, the, you know, Ocon, the Alpine's not really a match for the Red Bull, and certainly the Alfa Romeo isn't. But two into one corner is a hectic move and wherever you are yeah because they're so rare those moves that i think it's hard not to give it to that it was it was sort of coming up alongside ocon as as they were heading down the start finish straight but they were like in a bit of a drs train weren't they and then as ocon went to move for the inside of bottas verstappen was already doing the inside of both of them yeah it was like all right i'll do both of you then yeah it was a good move to be fair and i mean if you want to give it that um i'm happy to do that yeah, I think so. I think it's that, or it's Alonso around the outside of Bottas through. Yeah, because those cars, this race weren't weren't exactly miles apart. So I think that's a a very reasonably good move. But we've already given Alonso a driver of the day. So I think, and yeah. we've been harsh on Verstappen. So at least, let's at least <laughs> or, give him the move of the day. Or we just been so factual about Verstappen. Depends on your perspective. I mean, I, irony is Mick Checo wants us to throw Verstappen to the hounds because he is Mick Checo. Yeah, I mean, he's literally <laughs> saying here now that we haven't been harsh enough, but I'm not going to waste the internet being harsh on Max Verstappen, all right? If you want, if you want people being harsh on, harsh on Max Verstappen, McJeko, there's a lovely site out there called Twitter. Yeah, I don't um, know if you've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's plenty of people who hate Max Verstappen on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not going to go any further than that. Yeah. Um, right, right let, let's, do, section. let's do the last bit of awards, yeah. Honestly, what the are we doing here? I wonder so, um, I don't, sometimes. I don't know much about this. So the fiasco with Sonoda behind the safety car. Oh, oh. okay, I mean, this Mike. this is this is going to be it. I think. So yeah, I'll I'll quickly cover the. So there was a suggestion in Discord that it was the fact that K Mag was stuck at the Marshall Post or race after uh, being <laughs> punted of, out the race. That, is kind so of mental. <laughs> that was one of them. But the fiasco with Sonoda. So despite all the like investigation and rule changes and 
policy changes and everything that went into the fact that not every car was unlapping itself properly in Abu Dhabi last year, we ended up in a situation where Sonoda was basically in a position where, in theory, if cars were unlapping themselves, he should have been unlapping himself. And he, I think he saw other cars unlapping himself. The team had mistakenly like instructed him he was okay to unlap himself or he'd take that decision on himself, I'm not sure, because other cars were unlapping themselves. He started then doing it and then was basically very quickly told to stop doing it because cars ahead of him had been told they could unlap themselves, but he wasn't in the list. And he basically ended up having to do the safety car restart, just pulled to the side of the start-finish straight to let everybody through under blue flags. And it basically put him a whole lap down on everybody else and meant he had nothing left to fight for for what was left of the race what after that safety hell? car. That's yeah. ridiculous. That is, that is it's a proper WTF. So I read something that, didn't he go through the pit and activate the transponder or something like that to, to, to make it, the system thought that he'd unlapped himself when he actually hadn't? I mean, there could have been, there could have been some kind of technical issue that led to it, but it was kind of clear to everybody watching at the, you know, at the time that could see it unfolding that he was, because there was a moment where he was trying to unlap himself uh, past, it was one of the Ferraris, and he was going to go around the outside of one of the Ferraris into turn one, and then he sort of slammed on the anchors because I think that was the moment he was told, whoa, 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 you know, stop, we've not, we've not actually been given permission to unlap ourselves, and you saw like a big puff of uh, tyre smoke from him, like locking up, and then... Whichever of the Ferraris it, whichever of the Ferraris it was, was waving him past, like saying "go, go," and he was like, "No, I'm not. I'm not," because the Ferraris just expect him to come past because, you know, the, the drivers on track lapped, know roughly, yeah. you know, who's behind them, what which car it is, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that the he's the out of position as they go through, they and that as well, yeah, is, like usually. loads of factors. So whichever Ferrari it was, I can't remember, was effectively waving him past, and but he wouldn't come past because he'd been told to stop doing what he was doing. Um, and if you what, if you watch it? the safety car restart, he sort of pulls out of the pack to the to the side to the pit wall, and then just basically lets everyone go because he's stuck under blue flag, having to let people. That is the buy. dumbest thing. It was dumb. I, I, I think the thing that makes it worse is all the fiasco we had last year about you know it should never be only certain cars and it'll always be and like getting rid of this whole the race directors prerogative to to alter that if they see fit for oh, that's for restarting the yeah, all yeah. all that nonsense has basically just been thrown down the toilet because they've just done it again I, effectively I do, but i don't i don't think it's i don't think this is as egregious as that i think no no 100 percent. More... it's not been done for you know the the gain of this is an anything error. um and yeah like i said before it could be a technical error it's just it's one of those that's like this is supposed to be the pinnacle of motorsport. How are we not in a position where okay, we know not... which cars are in which position at what point without the use of a computer yeah. telling us so? Like, use your eyes. You can see yeah. it's Sonoda. You can see the actual order of the race. You know he's out of position. Like, <laughs> I just don't get Still, why. Continued lack of flexibility in yeah. dynamic situations, isn't it? That's the, they, they display it time and time and time again. They're just not doing enough to be able to think on their feet and solve problems on the fly in the same way teams can. So yeah, I think it's silly. I think um, that's definitely a massive debut. I think that wins. That wins. 
Yeah. There we go. The that other was one easy. was um, what K Mag stranded at a Marshall Post yeah. all race, which is which is equally well, not quite equally silly, but just as silly. Yeah. But this yeah. this is bonkers. This is just that should never happen. That that's broken. The and system is not fit for purpose. If that's gonna happen, is it? The we the I say the weird thing, the annoying thing probably about it is it's kind of got lost a little bit that this has all gone on because obviously everyone's focused on. Let's didn't let Checo yeah, through and all that, that all that stuff that's actually like really irrelevant in the way the sports run is like unfortunately taking precedent over that. But yeah. as long as I they mean, look that's... at it, I mean if they look at it, work out why it's happened and make sure it doesn't happen again and learn from it, I can probably live with it. But in my opinion, it shouldn't be happening in the first place. No, I'm hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. What yeah. what a load of rubbish. Stupid, stupid, yeah. stupid, stupid situation. Um, do you want to do some predictions results? Yes, let's get into predictions because I can guarantee you before I even look, nobody got a fastest qualifier unless yeah. unless AWS web services is still in the predictions league. Um but no, even they didn't get a point for that. So the best we got this week was a three point scorer. Um, and that was Zach Goodsell, who actually had George Russell down for a win. One of a f- handful of people. There was about three people that had George Russell down for a win. Um, so congratulations to any of you people who picked up a point there. I mean, yeah. I did have him as fastest qualifier. <laughs> you did. I felt really bad for you, to be fair, because you'd kind of gone the other way around, hadn't you? Yeah. And I went the wrong perk. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry, I need to sneeze then. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I had the wrong Merc, so I was a bit good. Um, no points for me, no points for Chris. A solitary point for 17 finishes for you. Um, but yeah, not many points all round this week. In terms of the overall standings, though, Jana Berger has what I believe is a slightly bigger lead than last week because they have 34 points compared to 32.5 for John Murphy behind them. So I, th- I feel like that has grown by Huge. a point. Huge. Going into the final race of the season, a one and a half point advantage is a biggie. Um, well, that is a lot of points to make up. One and a mm. half. It sounds ridiculous, but one and a half at this point in the season, only one race to go. Yeah, that's like that's like you need a, a DNF. <laughs> need a yeah. DNF for John uh, for Jana Berger for anyone to catch him. Um, and Jim Bob Blair's in third with thirty two points, so half a point off John Murphy. In fact, there's a couple of people sorry on thirty two points. There's also Gareth Howells and Tom Thorne. Um, I mean, although having said all this, right, everybody down to 29th place is technically still mathematically in it. Technically. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm out of it now. Sadly, I have 27 points. Sad. I'm not going to scroll to you. I have you. been out of it for a long time. Yeah. I'm not even in the the hosts league anymore like I'm, i've been out of it for well in fact this race i think is the one that i've mathematically become it's become completely impossible oh no two races ago it was mathematically impossible <laughs> for me to even get second so yeah i have had a shocker this year but like i said i've not really been trying this year i've been on a on a bit of a um, you you've got sports what's the word sports games sabbatical you're like nico rosberg you got your title last year and you thought do you know what i'm just gonna retire yeah did, did i it. win the whole league last year you didn't win the whole league but you won between the three oh. of us okay. i mean that's that's a win in itself in my I did eyes nearly, it always will there was be. one year there was one year when i did nearly win the whole thing um 
I think what, I'm still the only one to get five out of five. I've got, I've had two. You're five the only, out of you're definitely the only one of the three of us that's had a five out of five. You're the, you're the only one out of the, me, you, and Chris that's had one of those. And there was definitely a year where me and you were like neck neck yeah, for so and long, and yeah. I think I edged it out with like the last race or the last couple of races. But it was neck yeah. and neck for ages. That one, me and you went back and forth. Ah, good yeah. times. All available at backofthegrid.com. Go back and look at the previous year's standings if you want to look. Yeah, oh, and uh, if you're a, if you're a new listener, it's worth entering because there's always points, there's always prizes for anyone who gets five out of five, and that you've got one more opportunity this season to uh, to go for it. So yeah, definitely get involved. And um, we will get to that in just a moment. But we have some storylines for Abu Dhabi before we make predictions. So do you want to run oh, through yes. those? Yes, I will rattle through storylines. Um, first one I've got this week is can Mercedes follow up after a dominant display in Brazil? Like, is the car? suddenly quick compared to others have red bull taken their foot off the gas is it i don't believe red bull have taken their foot off the gas because they got another car to get yeah to second um yeah i think you know the mercedes was decent here last year after being very good in brazil so i don't see a reason right now why mercedes necessarily shouldn't be in the mix in Abu Dhabi. I know there's some long straights and Red Bull seems to be particularly good when there's mm. long, long straights, but we said that about Mexico and the Mercedes were in the mix in Mexico. It's strategy that got them out. So I think it's all to play for in this final race of the season. I don't know about you. I would say this is like the the litmus test, if you want to call it that, like the the sort of the one that really proves where those upgrades have left them at the end of this season. Because yeah. I think, I, I still stand by that there's an element of Mexico and Brazil altitude as a little bit of a factor and, you know, less of the straight lines in Brazil. There's definitely elements that play into Mercedes's favour to, to help them close the gap to Red Bull. If they're toe-to-toe with them in Abu Dhabi, then what they've done is a, like a resounding success to get to the point that they're at. I think... If it's still a little bit circumstantial, we'll find out basically at yeah. Abu Dhabi. Um, so it's, I think it's difficult to to say, but I think it'll kind of prove exactly where they are, uh, where they are at. Sorry, on like kind of where true they pace. Are. Yeah, where they <laughs> at, bro? <laughs> um, yeah, um, agree with all of that. And um, the next one is equally: How will Ferrari fare after an impressive showing in Brazil with a fresh-ish power unit for science? It's a power circuit. Science could be on for mm-hmm. a minute, this one, I think. I think this I think this could be the first race. Well, the first race? One of the races, one of the few races that we've had this season where there could be three different cars in the mix at the front. You know, a Ferrari, a Red Bull, and a Mercedes would be really, really good fun. For Abu Dhabi, it would be great. It's going to be a top six slobber knocker, isn't it? I think it could be. I think it's going to be one it's of It's got those- the potential. Top six, yeah, top six drivers. I'd love to get to like the last ten laps and still not know who's going to win that race out of like six drivers. That'd yeah, and the perfect result for me. And like, so, like really heated. I mean, imagine it being Perez versus Leclerc on track for that second position as well. Yeah. Regardless of where they are in that top six, it's like basically wheel to wheel. The two of them fighting for. That's kind of what I like. That that little fight there has almost has the elements of what the title had last yeah. year. Like well, they're going into Abu Dhabi level on points. So I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna oh, get to okay, that. I'll stop so, then. Um next one is was Brazil just a bit of an off colour blip for Red Bull? Um 
or have they just uh, their power units done? Like, what? Why were Red Bull so slow in in Brazil? That they shouldn't have been. Mm. So something was off. They 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 got it wrong somehow. I think, um, and I can't put my finger on exactly how, other than using the medium tires and not getting. Yeah, I I think that whether it be setup related or just the general cars like geometry, um, I think that their kindness to their tyres actually did them a disservice in Brazil. Not not necessarily the sole reason for it, but I think it was probably a factor, and it's why they struggled for pace on the medium tyre um, compared to everyone else. So, so hopefully for I, them, I would hopefully say a blip. Yeah, I, I think probably a blip too, but we'll find out in just a few days' time. Mm. Um, the next couple of storylines I've got, I'm going to take us through some of the uh, some of the battles that we've got going into the final race because there is there is quite a lot to play for across the across the yeah. across all of the teams and across a few a fair few of the drivers as well even you know high up the grid so um, teams championship first um, we'll do it in the less interesting one first and then well I don't know more maybe this is more interesting it depends on depends <laughs> who you support doesn't it <laughs> yeah it does doesn't it um, so the first one this might sound silly but. Ferrari and Mercedes, there's only 19 points between those two teams at this point in the season. And so, so Ferrari are on 524, Mercedes are on 505. It's exactly the same gap as what Alpine and McLaren have, also 19 points. Mm. Now, of those two battles, I think the Mercedes-Ferrari one is the suddenly the spicier one because I can't see McLaren overcoming a 19-point gap. No. But Mercedes might <laughs> based I mean, on a one two in the last race yeah based on where they finished last race and the potential for um a repeat of that yeah i would say it's and plausible if, and if red bull come back and they're in between mercedes and yeah Ferrari, and they're in the possible mix. that you know it's possible that mercedes have got suddenly have got an, an outside chance and it isn't admittedly it's still an outside chance but it is a chance nonetheless of taking second in the championship in yeah. what has been probably their worst season ever as a Formula One team. So, yeah, food for four. One, one to watch, definitely one to yeah, watch. Yeah, well, I mean, for I guess for perspective as well, you've got to remember that like a finish like what they had is 44 points and the finish Ferrari had is 27 points. So what's the difference there um mental maths is 17 so if they finish the way that they did this week like basically a one two for mercedes is not quite enough no if, no, if, Ferrari, ferrari, if ferrari can take up the other two players like they need red bull in the mix basically yeah. but it's Which not an insurmountable what, what, gap is is also the other side of that what would be hilarious is if red bull are in the mix against ferrari and they are the reason that Mercedes gets second in the championship and not third. Because imagine if it slowed down Ferraris. It basically imagine if it's Perez sandwiched between the Mercs oh and the Ferraris God. and he simultaneously kills Leclerc's second place dream in yeah. the drivers and Ferrari's second place dream in the constructors. Wow. I mean there what you a go. Lad. There's there's a storyline for you right there. There's um, Checo. 
So further down the grid, though, it, it, gets, it continues. Further down the grid, we've got Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin. Only five points between those two. That could absolutely be overturned at any point yeah. over this race. And the final one, um, there's only two-point gap between Haas and Alfa Tauri. So again, like that, these are all positive. This is not this this result is not a oh. result yet, is it? Like this championship is not decided until the checkered flag at Abu Dhabi. That kind of pays me more about Magnussen's result this weekend. Yeah, it really hurts me more that what happened to him happened to him because he'd have been so much closer. Well, Haas would have They'd probably, probably leapfrogged him. Yeah, or, or maybe maybe going and even. Yeah, like it's. Changes things quite. It it just, yeah. it just goes to show how like how much of an impact results like that do have on the smaller teams. Yeah, but um, but also though, I think McLaren's double retirement this race has had a huge impact on their on the possibility of them. Oh yeah, I mean, Alpine. Yeah. I think like they're, I think they're pretty really much out off. of that. Yeah, yeah, I uh, think they're out of that race now. Something mental is going to have to happen for they, them to gain nineteen points. They need a, uh, top five finish. Basically, for both cars, like yeah. they can't, they can't get nineteen points or more without. I mean, well, technically they could fifth and sixth with a fastest lap is exactly nineteen points, and then it'll go to like results count back. And yeah, but got, then even got, then, Alpine have got to finish badly as well. So well, yeah, and th- yeah, and then on top of that, you need Alpine to not be in the points whatsoever. So that's yeah. out of all of them, that one feels like the most just done. All the others, yeah. uh, everything to play for, but I think that one feels done now. Um, yeah. And, and it, the... it proves me and you right, because we've said for weeks that Alpine are the ones that have got the advantage and probably the better car at the minute. So Yeah. Um, and then the final one is probably Red Bull versus Williams, which was decided a long time ago. So <laughs> there we go. Red Bull versus Williams. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Williams, obviously, <laughs> not really in a fight with anyone for this one. They're, I think they're down on like eight points or something. Um, I, don't, I don't even have it written down. And I don't even have written down how many points Red Bull have got at this point because they've just got so many. I've stopped counting. A ridiculous Who's number. Who's even counting anymore? Um, the next, so the final one is the driver battles to watch out for. Um, now, this is really interesting. Because, well, obviously Perez and Leclerc, Perez and Leclerc in a battle for second, tied on points at 290 points each. Um, as a side note, watch out for Dark Nor, Dark Norse, Dark Horse, playing too much God of War, Dark Horse, <laughs> George Russell. Um, he, if, he, if he wins the race mm-hmm. and gets the fastest lap, and those two take each other out of the race in their battle, then he yeah. will beat both of them to second in the championship. Yeah, because he's 25 points exactly behind them, isn't he? Yeah. So, so another, needs, another winner fastest, fastest lap, lap would leapfrog him above them. Yeah. How mental is that prospect? And it's, again, it's not, you know, way, way, way stranger things have happened in Formula 1. Yeah. Uh, you want to think of a weirder thing than that that's happened in Formula 1, Max Verstappen's car on top of Lewis Hamilton's car at the chicane at Monza. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you never could have predicted, well, you probably could have predicted mm, that. But... Depending on what camp you're sitting, you probably have yeah, predicted that but, at some point in your life. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, stranger things have happened than George Russell stealing second from thing. I mean, no one expected Mercedes to even win a race this season and they've just got themselves a 1-2. So, yeah, yeah it's... It, it's, it's again, admittedly, it's a super outside possibility, but it is a possibility, it is in the mix for that position in the final race of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Similar situation for Hamilton and Russell. There's a 25-point gap between Hamilton and Russell for fourth. Um, if Russell has a retirement and Hamilton happens to win, then um, Russell would win. It. Hamilton, again, would need the fastest lap to get that because it's a 25-point gap. So Russell will win it, I think, on more race wins over the course of the season. But still, it's, you know, it, again, it's a possibility. Um, the Sorry, just before you gone, move on from that, but so that's them fighting over... Fourth, fourth and fifth, place. basically. Yeah. Now, the thing that I think's most interesting about this, and it maybe shows you a, a very significant insight into a certain driver's season, is Carlos Sainz is behind both of them mm. in sixth by a good, like a good, well, I say a good handful of points, six points. So I guess when oh, you finish at the pointy end, it's it's not that many, but he's six points behind Hamilton. So, the highest Carlos Sainz can finish this season is fifth. And I think that goes a long way to show the mis- the combination of, like, the mistakes that he had earlier in the season where I felt like there was a run of, like, three races where he was binning it and caused yeah. himself grief Just combined with, thing. like, all the mechanical issues and stuff he'd had and the just general DNFs. Like, he just it goes to show how much of an impact like a run like that has actually had in a year like this, where he's got two drivers that have won one race between them and they've only just got to the position where they're capable of winning the race are both yeah. ahead of him. Yeah. Says it's a lot. Okay. Says an awful yeah. lot. Um, so next one, um, Alpine teammate battle for eighth, um, five point gap between Ocon and Alonso. Um, Ocon leads mm. that one by five points. And then the last one, obviously these get less and less interesting the more we go on, but I'll be very yeah. quick with this last one. Um, Vettel's final race, uh, there's one point in between him and Ricardo for 11th. So wouldn't it be nice to see Vettel? I mean, it's both their final races really, isn't it? So they're, they're squabbling over 11th. There's one point in it, but mm. neither of them have got much to lose. So might he's the one ahead at right. this point as well, isn't he? He's he's one point ahead of Ricardo. Uh, yes, I believe he's not chasing Ricardo; he's defending from Ricardo for eleven. I'll double check. That I believe I that's right. That's the case. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, the way that the McLaren look been hit and missed this season, and Ricardo's in particular, Vettel feels like he's got stronger and stronger as we've gone into this back end of the season. Definitely the uh, Aston's been better towards the end of the yeah, year, I think. I think that uh, that's probably... I w- I'm going to sit go boldly and say that's Vettel's to lose that 11th place. Yeah, I you know what? I think it might be as well, especially with a free pace grip penalty for Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Never even thought about with that. All that with all, as I say every week, with all that in mind, it's time to make some predictions. Let's do it. Everyone can now listen to me and you make predictions and then head to backofthegrid.com for themselves and predict something completely different because we're usually wrong, as this week's results have proven. Um, so let's go for it. I'll, I'll go first because you've talked a while doing the, the storylines for us. So fastest in Q3, I am going to go with... Hmm, I feel like it'll just sort of be a, a little element of um, as you were, so I'm going to say Verstappen here the fastest in Q3 how about you, Stu? 
Um, I'm gonna go Hamilton. I think Hamilton's yeah. got pole position in him. Abu Dhabi. Well, I'm pro- I'm completely wrong, probably, but you never know. Because we're at that point in the season where, for for us at least, it's kind of decided. I'm going to go with what I think might unfold is, but is unlikely, and that's a Hamilton win. And I kind of the the sort of uh, OCD in me wants Hamilton to win so that he has his maintains his record of a win in every season. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I mean, kinda... that would be there. There is something satisfying about that, isn't there? Yeah. So even that's if kind you're of... not a fan, like it's it's a nice little sort of yeah. just fact about someone, isn't it? And and I think Remake to sort of come and prove, yep, it's it's proper pace, like with a, like a back to back win. Um, albeit different drivers, I think that's um, yeah, that's that's where I'm going. That's where my money is. How about you? Nice. Um, I think I think it'd be difficult for Hamilton to win from pole in Abu Dhabi. Dare I say we would see a repeat of last year Ooh. and have Verstappen beating Hamilton in the final race of the season from oh. Hamilton pole. Okay. I think th- I think. The reason I think it is because the straights on that circuit and the pace of the Red Bull in a straight line is what's going to get them ahead and going to make them difficult to fight in, in a race situation. So qualifying, I think the Mercedes might finally have have the pace to, to do something decent. Yeah. But I think race in race trim, I've got a feeling the Red Bull is going to have the legs on the Mercedes this week. Okay. What about first DNF? I've done the last couple first, so I'm going to make you go first on that. Um, first DNF. Let's let's be fun and say. Ah, oh, I kind of wanted to say Leclerc or Perez, but hmm. I don't think that it would be that fun. I'd rather have a race of them two taking chunks out of each other. Yeah, so definitely. I don't want to say Ricardo because that's cruel. I think it's probably someone like Schumacher. I'm going to say Schumacher. Okay. Schumacher himself. I'm I'm in my camp cruelty mode. So I've got three drivers that I'm weighing up here. Ricardo's final race at McLaren. Sebastian Vettel's final race. And... Um, there was another one. Oh, Judd Russell, like hero to zero, kind of. I like these oh, kind yeah. of things for first oh, DNFs. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna um I'm gonna let Discord chat pick one, two, or three. The first person to respond to me out of those that type in now with a one, two, or a three. That's three. What was that? That was Russell. You evil man, Mcchecko. You evil man. Russell it is. It's, it's locked in. It's sealed. Number number of finishes. Stu, I'll let you have this one first. Uh seventeen, please. Get myself another 17. point. I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna match you on that one. I feel like we're just at that point of the season, aren't we? So <laughs> Roxy in the chat it just says No <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a response to Paul in the chat saying Seb is the um is gonna be the first uh, DNF. Yeah. But yeah, still it's funny. Um okay, and then random driver for this week is Lando Norris. I feel this feels difficult. 
Mm. There's a lot riding on this for McLaren as well. He he got a penalty a in race, didn't he? As well, he got his penalty in race, so he doesn't have a grid penalty hanging over him like Ricardo does. So that that kind of works in Lando's favour a little bit. Mm. Um, I'm gonna go one. with eighth position for Lando Norris for me, please. That's not too bad of a shout, I think. I can sort of see the same same sort of position for him. I've been trying to think where he's finished in the last few races and it's been sort of that bottom end of the points, hasn't it? Oh, I'm going to go ninth. I'm going to go ninth. And I hope I'm wrong and he does better. But that is it. So there it is. That is That's ours. It. That's our predictions. So, yeah, as, as we say, once we finish recording this episode predictions open so head to back of the grid.com where you could submit yours thank you very much to grid rival who sponsored the predictions segment of the show and if you want to join our grid rival league and be part of that for for next season and check it out again head to back of the grid.com and there's a link to grid rival there where you can uh, find out more about it uh, should we do the um, last little bit of inbox oh go on you got something else to add well just just to reiterate you know it, Make your predictions. It's worth doing because if you get five out of five, it will. Indeed. There is a treat. There's a and treat you, for you. <laughs> and you have the luxury of going all the way up to the start of Q1 um, before making them. They close at the start of Q1 when that light goes out. So, yeah, have at it. And, yeah, nice. we'll do a quick bit of inbox. Do, yeah, just... Uh, keep me saying now. Stay, stay man. Just going to rattle through just a couple this week because we've gone on for a long yeah. time. And this I, has been a lot for two of us. It's been a long old podcast. Yeah. To be fair, the ones that we've decided to sort of drop a bit last minute, I'm pretty sure we've covered answering all your questions in our little own personal rants. I think. So hopefully yeah, I think. Not well, yeah, that's, that's that's why I picked the ones that. Are, yeah, but um, um, you know. These things are going to come back up, I think, in a future episode oh, yeah. anyway, once we're doing um, reviews. So, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, first one this week from Ali Walker. If Checo did deliberately crash in Monaco qualifying, <laughs> then should the FIA issue a retrospective penalty? It literally put other drivers at risk with one of the Ferraris crashing into him. Um, I think if, if it, I mean, bear in mind, this is wild Twitter conjecture based on one person in commentary saying i think it relates to monaco if that if 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 the fia had a sniff of it being suspicious then i'm sure they'd be all over it like a rash and they'd they'd probably want yeah. to do something about it i think it's pretty um it's pretty serious accusation but i'm sure the fia will be all over it if it's real yeah like I genuinely feel like it would have already been looked at if there was any suspicion that it was done on purpose. And also, I mean, regardless of what comes out of it, where it goes and all that, I just genuinely, for, for personal gain, I don't see how the slight gain that was there outweighs the risk of, you know, the gearbox damage, the engine uh, damage the the rebuild damage that then essentially puts you at risk of grid penalties like mm. this i don't know the reward Crashing doesn't outweigh period. the risk for me in that yeah. scenario 
But I do think, you know, crushing on purpose is severely frowned upon by the FAA. They don't 100%. like it on 100%. safety grounds. You know, we've seen sort of similar, we've seen Crashgate, you know, years ago with um, yeah. Nelson Pica Jr. crushing in Singapore for Alonso, one of the orders of Flavio Brittori. Mm-hmm. Um, all been, you know, this that that's not conjecture. That's been proven in the courts that that happened. So yeah. um, we're safe to say it. Uh, yeah, they, they frown upon it very very seriously so it will be a really hopefully you you would hope that that there'd be some recompense for that if 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 it if it even happened i mean they are, they, are, they will be i i have no doubt that if it is proven that he's done it on purpose there will be um punishment for it and they probably should issue retrospective penalties i mean look how long crash crash gate went on for i can't talk at this point of the podcast um <laughs> Do you want to do the next one? Yeah, I'm just going to read the next one. Let's move on. Uh, Paul says, Hey man, with a lot of talk of Danny Rick going to be be a reserve driver at Red Bull for next year and then presumably wanting to take Checo's seat, do you think Dan would be crazy to do this after Max basically proving he is far from a team player? I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance of Danny Ricciardo going to Red Bull. He already left that team and that teammate once. He's not going to go back there. I... I don't know if it's actually been ruled out yet or not, but I could genuinely see him doing some testing work with like Merck and and maybe sitting in wait to have a little pop at it with them once Lewis decides if... enough is enough. But it's a bit of a sit and hope. It's kind of what um, Stoffel Van Dorn and uh, Nick De Vries have been doing for the last three years. Like hoping yeah, that once he gets once he gets to a certain number of world titles, he'll give it up. Yeah. Um, so. The queue behind Lewis Hamilton is getting quite long, isn't it? And he's just yeah. not showing any signs of slowing down. Clearly, so. Yeah, and that, that, I think this is the difference between like situations where we've kind of we've personally wanted to push drivers like say Kimi Räikkönen out of the sport. Like enough's enough. It's time for a change. There's a big. I think there's a big difference in performance level that. Kimmy yeah. was still able to output compared to what Lewis Hamilton is currently still able to output. And that's the difference there, like, of why yeah. drivers of similar age, like, one you want hanging around and one you probably don't. You want to see people at their peak. And it doesn't yeah. feel and like still Hamilton's there. past his peak yet, does no, it? No, not just yet. There's, I think there's definitely other drivers on that grid that are younger than Hamilton that look like they've passed their peak. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's... But the question wasn't necessarily about Hamilton, was it? it was about uh, Ricardo taking Checo. See, I, I answered it. I don't think it's happening. Yeah, I, I think it was that crazy of an idea. We both just immediately dismissed it and moved on to talk about something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Well, on that note, I think it's time to uh, that's time to end. So, thank you all for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Tom, to, te- to, to for our fireside chat. Uh, about the Brazilian Grand Prix weekend. What a bumper weekend it's been. You can find us all on all the socials. Um, you can find the podcast on all the socials. Just search Back of the Grid on Google and we come up everywhere. Um, obviously, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of it. Um, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the podcast and we will catch you for the next one. So see you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.
Boom.